The Non-Profit Comeback Podcast with Garrett Housel. Welcome back to the Nonprofit Business uh, Nonprofit Comeback Summit. Wow. Uh, welcome back. Um, we are in for a treat today. Um, this session is going to be with Jeremy Turner. Jeremy is awesome. And today we're going to be talking about um, your prior plan, proper prior planning, succession and, co- and continuity planning to protect the mission, right? So before we get into this discussion, I want to introduce uh, Jeremy just a little bit. You know, he runs uh, a company called your Ep- called Epic Mission, and he's been doing that for the past seven years. Um, he's done some really incredible things running podcasts um, called the Heroes of Change podcast. Um, with his uh, previous experience as an adjunct professor at the Marshall University Lewis College of Business. Um, Among other things, he's worked with nonprofits uh, for many years, helping them accomplish a myriad myriad of tasks, including scaling and understanding what the importance of a strategic plan is when it comes to building, growing, and scaling your organization. Jeremy, how are you doing today? What's up? Garrett, I'm doing well, and I appreciate you having me um, on the show today. Awesome. Well, um, let's let's go ahead and, and get right into it and, and just talk a little bit about this strategic planning, right? Um, you know, it, it, before we do that, though, is there anything else you want to say, anything that I missed about yourself? <laughs> no, I'm not really that interesting. So, you know, if folks want to want to read more about me, they can always visit our website if they're uh, bored or maybe having trouble sleeping, they could read my my bio there, or they can uh, you know reach out and connect on LinkedIn. Sure, there um, you go. Yeah. So for today, really, we're talking about succession and continuity planning for uh, organizations, and I, I think it's always good to start with what is what is this thing that we're talking about? What is a succession and plan plan? What is a continuity plan? Because the, the maybe terminology or phrasing that um, you know our attendees today are, aren't. Uh, used to hearing aren't familiar with. So think about uh, succession as the next person in line. You know, our federal government has a succession plan so that, you know, if one person becomes unavailable, there's the next person up. Uh, Athletic teams have succession plans uh, that they call death charts. And so our organizations need to have uh, very formal plans as well that lay out uh, in the event that someone becomes unavailable for a variety of reasons, whether it's uh, they, they die, they retire, they go on sabbatical, uh, they become ill and unable to work for a period of time, who steps in and fills that role? Mm. So that, uh, or, or, you know, who, or that's, that's more of the continuity side and succession is when uh, that person leaves permanently, who, who comes in next? So you've got mm. these two aspects of succession and continuity uh, that, are, that are blended together in this planning piece. You know, what happens uh, when someone leaves either temporarily or permanently, what does that look like? So that organizational operations continue in a smooth and somewhat predictable fashion, Um, you know, building on what we talked about the other day, there's there's not really any, uh, um, there's there's chaos all around us, right? We can't really plan everything. So, you know, thinking about continuity and succession in that frame. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, when we're we're talking about these things, um, how does this kind of, fold into the marketplace of ideas when it comes to strategic planning as a whole? What, what role does continuity and, and succession play in this entire, uh, not worldview, but this, this plan, right? 
where exactly are those the most important to be leveraged? Is that just in anticipation of uh, complications or is that more of a, a, an order of operations, what happens next? Yeah, that's a good question. So uh, I, want, I want to answer that with some points of consideration. Uh, one, I would venture to say that uh, no one five years ago said, uh, I know exactly where I'm going to be in five years. Sure. And, you know, and predicted COVID. And, you know, this global pandemic has really, really uh, impacted millions and millions of people around, around the world. Uh, and uh, a ton of organizations have been negatively impacted because they didn't really have a plan in place for the what ifs in life. You know, right. we, we purchase insurance of all sorts for the what ifs, hoping that we never use it. And however, a succession and continuity plan is something that you will use because there's always going to be some sort of succession, you know, a, a handing of the baton or a passing of the torch from one person to the next as, as people's journeys change and, or as they continue maybe on to a, a different chapter. And so I would say that, you know, this is something that is more, um, I would say, planning for, the, for the, what will be happening, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily the, the, the full-on what-ifs or, uh, you know, we're never going to be impacted by another global pandemic, so we don't need a, right. uh, you know, we don't need a, a succession or continuity plan. Uh, it's just good, it's good business practice to have such a sure. thing in, in place. And it's kind of these preventative measures that are, are really important, really in any area of life, um, but especially right here with what we're talking about, in order to be able to handle that change, whether it's expected or not, right? Indeed. And that's really why the, uh, the primary title of this session is proper prior planning. The rest of that phrasing is prevents poor performance, the, the six P's of, of, uh, of performance. And, you know, so yeah, it is is about planning ahead. And uh, I've shared before that I see nonprofits as a child that you co-raise with a group of other people, right? right? I have a child. He is so important to me. And I'm very careful about who gets to interact with him, who gets to co-parent them. And uh, my wife and I are extremely uh, interested in uh, what's going to happen in his life, right? right? That's part of our job as parents. And so if we view an, an, a nonprofit organization as this child that's going to live and grow and, and develop through phases, then how might we plan for that? You know, strategic plan is part of that. Operations plans, uh, staffing plans, marketing plans, financial plans. But succession and continuity really uh, helps to lay out what will happen um, through, through the life, life, uh, lifetime of the organization at different phases. So then, then kind of what you would say is like, if you love your organization, you need to prepare, you need to protect it, right? And that's kind of the, the role of importance here when it comes to planning prior to poor performance, right? It is that anticipation of understanding, hey, things are not always going to be the same. We need to be ready. We need to be able to be flexible. So we need to think about that before it happens so that we're not losing our heads when a situation does arise, right? So what are, what are some pieces that you think are really important when it comes to the succession plan or this continuity plan? What are some kind of benchmark uh, factors or, or functions that you would utilize within one of these plans? Mm. Well, first, uh, I think it starts with the mindset that this isn't just for the uh, top person in the organizational chart. This isn't just for the CEO or the executive director. 
Um, this is for really, if you look at all the very important roles within your organization, uh, I personally believe that succession continuity uh, needs to look at uh, leaders at all levels within your organization. Mm. And so, you know, what this, what this is doing is it's doing a couple of things. It's taking into account some of the key resources that make your organization what it is. Um, you know, human, physical, financial, technological, and intellectual resources that make your organization what it is. It's, you know, the, the DNA of it. And so, um, you know, documenting who is your organization, what do they do, for whom do they do it, the problems that you solve. This really can go quite hand in hand with success, uh, the strategic plan as you're vetting your mission, your vision, your values, your goals, and, and metrics and such for success. Um, it, this succession continuity plan can go hand in hand with that as you're laying out the, you know, the DNA of the organization. So it's, it's looking at some of the key resources and the key actions of your organization. So this is, in large part, this is a, an, an exercise in documenting everything. Right. So that what I find is that uh, so many organizations, especially early stage, passion-driven, founder-led organizations, everything lives within the head and the heart of the founder or the early stage leader or leaders. Sure. If that person gets hit by the proverbial bus and called home, uh, what happens to the organization, right? Mm -hmm. Not necessarily the, the profoundly positive outcome that maybe the founder had in mind, uh, right. you know, when they launched the organization. So um, documenting things with the understanding that, you know, things need to change over time. You, these are plans you have to revisit. It's nothing set in stone, but documenting, you know, what you do, why you do it, how you do it, for whom you do it, when you do it, uh, the who, what, when, where, why, and how aspect of your organization, getting those things documented um, so that everything is on paper. It's not living in someone's head sure. and heart only. Sure. And, and you know, that kind of makes me think about kind of while we're talking about change, you kind of alluded to the idea how sometimes the mission or the, the, the core of a organization can change over time. What role do these plans play in that? Are they there to prevent that kind of change from the organization turning into something that it didn't originate as? Is it to facilitate that to ensure that they're still moving forward um, and staying current or is it, is it more meant as a protection? Think of the succession continuity plan as, as partnering with the strategic plan to help ensure that it actually gets carried out uh, as it's intended. You know, the strategic plan lays out, uh, you know, the mission and vision and, and the impact, desired impact for the organization. And the succession plan helps to pl uh, plot out uh, the, the human resources who will be leveraged to carry out the plan mm. and the, the system's processes, best practices of the organization um, as it stands at the writing of the document, right? right? So as there, as there are major changes might occur within the organization, maybe um, you take on uh, an entirely new mission. You, you do a mission shift. You pivot into, into another area. You begin mm -hmm. to add lots of programs and services. You have uh, massive growth. Uh, the market in which you operate changes. Some of these changes, either internally or externally, will facilitate the need to re-examine your strategic plan and all your other varying plans as well from you know, our operations plan, marketing plan, and funding plan, and your continuity and succession plan as well. Right, yeah, and so, you know, this kind of, uh, here's what I'm hearing, right, is the, this, the, the contingency, not contingency, the continuity and succession plans are there 
um, not just to protect from unintended change happening within the organization, but to facilitate the strategic plan, right? So those things have to happen together, like you were saying, but it, it serves two functions to prevent unintended change, but also to facilitate the intended change, you know? And I think that that's something right. really important to focus on um, for people listening, because in order to really get these things down on paper, you have to go through these, these, the mission, the vision, all these pieces of information that are really critical to your identity as an organization, but also the path to move forward. And that's why strategic plans are super, super important and why continuity and succession plans need to be folded into that process, right? Is, mm-hmm. is, that, is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, I would phrase it as very simply, you're seeking to create predictability in an unstable, uh, unpredictable world as best you can. Sure. You know, you're, you're trying to predict exactly how your organization will operate um, uh, as, as life goes on within the organization. Sure. So how, how far forward do these plans take effect in? And, and how far ahead can we plan or use these continuity and succession plans um, ahead of time? Do they need to change over time or do they kind of stay the same for the duration of the, the life of that organization? Yeah, so uh, that's a good question. Uh, the, the, all plans have to change over time because life happens. And yep. um, the, the only thing that is guaranteed is that plans in life will never match, right? No plan ever created by man will actually be uh, carried out and, and um, be 100% accurate. This is not real. So um, understanding that this is really an exercise in um, planning for probabilities and trying to anticipate what might happen in the future Mm -hmm. and how might you address those roadblocks or obstacles as they occur. So, you know, thinking about, again, uh, you know, what are the, who are are the uh, key team members across your organization from, um, you know, most junior to most senior and what role do they play? And how can you protect that role itself right. um, in the event that this person becomes either permanently or temporarily unavailable? So, right. you know, you're looking, uh, you want to plan several years ahead of time with the understanding you can't really plan 10, 20, 30 years ahead of time. So, you know, reevaluating your plans, all your plans at intervals of at least annually, take a, take a peek, make sure that everything matches with, you know, nothing majorly has changed. What I see most often is that once you've created the bulk of a plan, then it's about uh, addendums and updates rather than scrapping the whole plan and writing a new one, right? It's, well, we, we've changed our social media policy, or we finally adopted a social media policy, or um, we've added a, a particular role, or we've added a program or service, or we've deleted one. And so you create these edits within the master document at, uh, as it stands so that it remains fresh. Sure. And so as we do these annual checks, we're kind of keeping a a pulse on the organization and and able to kind of uh, look back and see where we've come and and, and what needs to happen going forward. Right. So what are some tips or or advice that you would give when it comes to actually making these plans? Get started is, is uh, step number one. Uh, And getting started really means, um, as, as I've said before, with strategic planning, this isn't one person's job. It's really the job of many because so 
some of the work I do is in behavioral consulting. And so looking at different personality styles and working styles, giftings and such. And so, you know, as you move from one person to another, each person will have different uh, experience and skills and personality styles and such that will lend themselves towards the best possible outcome in a planning situation, right? So having representatives from multiple levels within the organization to include uh, some external stakeholders, mm-hmm. um, you know, some volunteers, uh, funders, you can bring in outside facilitators or outside experts, accountants and um, attorneys and consultants and, and, and finance professionals and such. So preparing a team to work on this plan, setting time aside to do it. So think retreat, think get out of the office, because as long as you're in the office, you're going to have major distractions. That's just how it goes. So being very intentional about the planning process and setting time aside to get outside the building and go do this. How much time um, do you then, think is how much time do you think is is important? Because could we do this over lunch, hmm. or or would this need to be a, a several hour endeavor? Yeah, so I would say it's going to depend on the organization. You know, if you're a brand new organization, it's going to take less than perhaps one that is multi-state or international that's been around for 100 years that doesn't have one in place. So I'd love to give a, hey, here's uh, how quick this is or how quick and easy. It's going to depend on the complexity of the organization itself. So take a good hard look at your organization and consider very honestly um, what, how much time will this take to do this well with the understanding that it doesn't have to be done necessarily in one sitting. Mm -hmm. Um, There's prep work that can be done. You can form teams, have a formal meeting, plot out, uh, you know, what are our expectations? What's our vision? How would we define success with this succession and continuity planning exercise? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you, you have committees and committee heads that may take different aspects of the planning process itself. And then they, they go and do, and then you reconvene another meeting at a later date, right? You can use technology like, you know, uh, cloud uh, file sharing, Dropbox, Google Drive, whatever, where you can dump, documents into it for review by various members so that you can have approval in between or ahead of uh, formal in-person meetings if you're doing those, right? Right. Awesome. Okay, cool. So then let, let, let's say I, I want to I do a strategic plan for my organization. And, and I've, set a, I've set out uh, this meeting for whatever amount of time to work on this with my team. Mm-hmm. What like getting started is step one, right? But what what exactly am I planning, right? That's, right. That's something I think is really important to cover. Is like, what are the tangible things that I can expect or anticipate to be a part of this plan, so that I I, I may not I may still have to go to Google, but so that I'm not just running around with my head chopped off. You know what I mean? Mm, I do. Yeah. So there's a couple aspects or facets of the plan. Um, one would be an emergency or interim plan um, in the event that somebody has to step out for, uh, you know, God forbid, they uh, come down with uh, COVID-19 and they're, they're, you know, focused on their survival and they, they can't participate as they normally would. So what would happen then in, in that particular uh, time? How would continuity be maintained, right? You would have a defined departure plan. So, you know, as you have people who age through the organization, and maybe planning on retirement, or um, as they um, move on to other organizations or other phases of life, mm-hmm. that's more of a planned thing. You, you have a, a lead time for that. You can plan for that. Right. Uh, and a, te- a team development funnel so that you have 
uh, internal personal professional development built in and baked into the DNA of the organization so that what you don't want is to put somebody in a, in a leadership position and they're not ready. It's really a, a terrible position to be in. Mm-hmm. I've been in it. Uh, many other people have been in it, and it's frustrating uh, as I'll get out. There's, there's a saying where, you know, sometimes organizations have this culture of, you know, what if we highly develop people when they leave, right? We spend all of our time and resources developing someone, giving them everything that, uh, that we can to do a better job, and then they leave and go somewhere else. The alternate side of that is what if we don't develop them and they stay? And worse than that, what if we don't develop them and they rise through the ranks? Mm. So, you know, consider the team development piece as crucial. Uh, And really, you've you've got the operations piece of it as well. This is the documentation of of, uh, systems and processes and best practices and how you do what you do. It's It's your recipe for success. What do you do? When do you do it? How do you do it? For whom? How do you know if you're doing it well like that? So, you know, the operations manual or operational best practices piece with those other facets as well. Great. Great. So then kind of like by the end of the, the, the period of time where we've built out all these plans and, and kind of put together this whole strategic plan as, as one kind of finalized thing, if someone outside of the organization were to come in and read the strategic plan, is it, um, is it reasonable to assume that they should understand the organization just as well as anyone who's currently in it? Or is, or is there something more nuanced about that? Yeah. So the, the plan itself will allow someone to step in and basically uh, follow a system of, of checklists per se. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, it's uh, my role is this, here's the basic role expectation. Um, it's Tuesday of, you know, in the first quarter, and I should be doing these things today. Check, 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 check. Sure. You know, so it's, it's more about being able to plug somebody in. Understanding the organization uh, talks more about culture. So, you know, you, a, a, a new person uh, will likely not be able to just jump in and truly understand all the nuanced pieces of, of an organization. Sure. But they may be able to very, um, I won't say transactionally, but uh, very robotically perform some of the basic duties. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, they may not, it may not be quite at the level of someone who's been doing it for 10 years, Sure. but it beats the alternative of having no one do it and, or have no one do it or have somebody to do it with no idea of what they're doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of allows you to plug people into the system, um, regardless of whether or not their, their mission is the same as the organization, but kind of through that system, the, the hope is that their, their passion would, or their mission would become, uh, correlated with the, the organization's mission. Right. Um, and, right. and that's, that's also something that I, I like to think about. Um, but I don't know if it's, rec- it's recommended for organizations to, Hey, get a plan and then just redo all your leadership positions. Um, I don't know if that's a, a great idea, but you know, at, at a certain point, um, through the development of these continuity and succession plans, um, obviously depending on the organization, different people are going to head that up, but generally speaking, mm-hmm. Uh, to what degree of involvement are, should people have, right? Uh, for example, if, if I'm preparing to retire and everyone knows I'm preparing to retire, um, is, is it my response? Like, is it a good idea for me to be working on that plan with them about the departure? Um, because the, the, the hesitation may be that I'm, I'm trying to get myself a better deal or, or whatever, or, or is it more 
centralized to the point where it's like, no, I'm actually trying to help um, get myself out of here, but also prepare other people to leave. Like mm. how close mm. to the, to the plan can I be when it's applicable to me? Right. So, you know, again, think about if, if you as a leader in the organization, and if you're viewing this organization again, as a child that you co-raise with other people, um, human compassion would say, I'll do what I need to do to ensure the survival uh, and more than survival that I would ensure that this child thrives and grows and develops. Right. Mm -hmm. um, most every compassionate, decent human being I've ever met would think along those lines. Right. So um, I, my answer to that would be, I would expect that this per this outgoing person, especially in a planned departure situation um, would be very involved because they're, they're going to have a, a perspective from having done this thing this, uh, you know, done this role for a while that it's very, very important to get the brain dumped yep. to find out what is this? Per because when you, you, you know, when, when you've done something for a long time, it becomes muscle memory, right? right. You, you go through it every day and you don't realize all the things that you do because you compartmentalize steps mm -hmm. and you just do them, right? Maybe you've learned some interesting shortcuts that don't sacrifice the quality of the outcome, but they improve efficiencies. Sure. But if, if somebody just follows the checklist, uh, they might take four or five extra steps. It takes longer. So, you know, having um, the people doing the jobs involved in the planning process is very important. However, having people not involved in the daily doings of that job are important as well because they can ask key questions about, okay, so what's next? What's the next thing you do? How do you know if you're doing that well? Uh, who does that roll up to? Um, who does that impact most? Who steps in when you're not available? they can begin asking really good questions to ensure that uh, you get a, a very wraparound vision, holistic vision of what this role is and what these various roles look like uh, within the organization. Sure. So kind of going along the same lines is like during the composure of a, a plan like this, uh, to what degree should the involvement of the rest of the organization be integrated, right? Uh, because from what we've been talking about, most of the time it's just going to be leadership and, and kind of the the higher people in the in the company coming together to to form this plan. But um, in what we're just talking about, sometimes the people who go through the day to day are better equipped to produce a good plan. To what level should the 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 entirety of the organization be involved in the development of this kind of plan? I'm a huge fan of involvement at all levels for a number of reasons. So within organizational culture, there's oftentimes a lack of trust mm -hmm. uh, as you know, the, the lowest person uh, doesn't trust the highest person and, and some you know, different levels within trust is a component of uh, vulnerability and transparency and, and great communication. So if, if I am a, a person who's very junior in an organization and I get these plans that keep being dictated to me and pushed down on me that I had no knowledge of and had no involvement in, how might that feel, right? right? Do I really feel like I'm part of something bigger than myself? Am I a cog in the wheel? Um, and might I feel, you know, the beginnings or the continuance of disengagement? You know, I, I, I don't really have any say in my job. So I guess I'll just do what I would do what I'm told. Uh, individuals in situations like this lose their critical thinking they're problem solving and uh, the organizational culture uh, is, is harmed, meaning that the entire organization and everyone they serve is harmed as a result. So yeah. long answer, 
uh, but I wanted to dig into that a little bit so people understood why my answer is get people involved. Um, if somebody is new to a role, that doesn't mean they don't have great insights. You hired them for a reason, True. right? Just because they haven't done it forever, maybe they have some great insights in having only done the role for two weeks or two months, right? So get them involved let them be a part of the process so they can see what goes on behind the scenes. And they can be a part of, of planning uh, something that, that, sh- that should feel bigger than themselves. They can feel part of the plan, not just a cog in the wheel. And, and I think maintaining that kind of mindset and, and kind of interaction within an organization is great for the culture as well, right? And those two things have to work together, right? If you have a great culture, then you're going to have to create a strategic plan that encompasses that and, and enables that. Whereas um, on the other side, if if you're not super involved with, or, or if your mission isn't super involved with the organization as a whole, it's, it might be a little bit more difficult to create that kind of strategic plan, right? Um, especially if the culture is not conducive to that kind of interaction. You know, you were talking about how sometimes there's that dichotomy between the highest and the lowest person, and, and there's maybe some resentment there. Um, what, what in terms of, of company culture do you think is really important to uh, be considered within the strategic plan? Because I know you talked about it a little bit, but are there some tangible things that we can do in order to ensure that our, uh, our, our mission is fulfilled? Yeah, so you know, when it comes to planning uh, in general, I see a lot of uh, a lot of strategic plans that have language that I need to grab a thesaurus or a dictionary to to, sure. under, to understand. Very complex, very jargon-ish, industry-related, and you know, I'm, I may not understand the verbiage. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very long mission statements that are more like mission narratives than a mission statement. So, what I'm getting at is using simple language that people can understand and, and um, ingrain mm-hmm. um, and to help create a, a culture that they can be indoctrinated into and become a part of, right? It's not just a job, it's a mission, right? It's yep. something that I'm, I feel called to do and I'm giving myself uh, emotionally and I'm giving right. my, my skills so that behaviorally I can be fully engaged yep. and actually go forward and be the change in my particular role as part of something bigger than myself. So, right. you know, keeping language simple um, so that, you know, for example, if, um, if an organization has a mission statement and I, I walk into the organization and I ask one of the very newer people, so, you know, what's the mission of your organization? And they stumble, bumble, and fumble and can't even give a real strong idea of what it is. Sure. And for each person I go to, it's, somebody, it, it's a different statement that doesn't even sound at all alike. Yeah. I think that's an issue, right? Um, your, your vision uh, as well helps to define uh, what the organization is all about and helps to inform what you're doing and why, uh, to, to what extent. And the values that you choose as an organization are important as well. They shouldn't be basic expectations like, you know, for a for-profit entity, they shouldn't say, we value profitability. Well, of course you do, because if you're not profitable, uh, you go out of business and you're no longer a business anymore. You're an yeah. expensive hobby, right? So, you know, pick um, a, a couple of, of values that are very, very important that aren't basic expectation. And then not, don't just pick the word, define it. Mm-hmm. State, what does this mean for your organization? Because, you know, words have many meanings to people. And if we leave, uh, leave it up to others to define what a particular value might mean, mm-hmm. it may not mean what we think it means or what we want it to mean. 
right? right? So we have to take ownership of our own organizational culture. So uh, there's that aspect. And then practicing um, you know, more of a flat organization where it's not these strict hierarchies where, oh, you don't talk to the boss. Why not? Why don't you? Right? Um, so you know, having flatter, flatter organizations where there's more approachability, more openness, more transparency, with the understanding that, yes, everybody has roles and certain responsibilities, and the buck has to stop with different people along the way. Uh, but having this, this openness, this transparency, vulnerability, uh, simplest, simple language um, to uh, explain and describe what it is you do so that people can understand and ingrain this and actually repeat it back if asked as they're out evangelizing and sharing about the organization in, in, the, um, uh, in, the, in their communities. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like specificity and simplicity are, are some very key elements mm -hmm. to um, ensuring that that mission is, is preserved. And, and I love what you said about how it shouldn't be a mission narrative, uh, but rather a mission statement that's easily repeatable, you know, uh, because frankly, not everyone can memorize this three paragraph essay on why our organization is great. But if you boil it down to two or three sentences, something that's super simple. I want to make life better for many because I love helping people in this way. It's super mm -hmm. easy for people to remember that. And it, it, it's impactful as well, you know, because then it's easier to identify with because of that simplicity and, and specificity, you know? Um, so, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, as we're talking about all of these things, um, of proper prior planning when it comes to a strategic plan is in order to protect and, and preserve the mission, but also facilitate necessary change, right? Things that are inevitable and, and things that, and preparing for the, the unexpected, right? That's what the importance of proper prior planning is so that we can prevent uh, poor performance, right? Um, and, and so, I, I thank you for your time today, just in talking about these things. And, and you know, I really enjoyed when we talked about the mindset of, of how we look at this and, and what plans specifically need to be addressed, the emergency plan, the departure plan, uh, your team development, as well as like how operations work, right? All of those things are super important and need to be analyzed by an organization at every level so that there can be more collaboration and more cohesion with that mission so that everyone in the organization has a little bit more fervor with this higher calling and that purpose and that mission. So as, as we kind of come down to a close at the end of this conversation, are there any golden nuggets that you'd like to leave us with and make sure that we understand and, and remember? Yeah, so uh, one is that you can't plan for the future in the future. You have to plan for it now. Two is get started wherever you are in the process, in the journey within your organization, whether you're brand new, um, you know, you, you've just received your IRS determination letter or you're still waiting on it, or you've been around for decades, um, get started with your plan now. Uh, simple is better than none. And uh, there's, a, there's a quote um, that I like that it, it, I'm going to butcher it, so I apologize, okay. but it's an imperfect plan violently implemented today is better than a perfect plan uh, begun at a later date or, you know, never started. So don't, don't let perfect um, get in the way because perfect isn't a realistic human expectation. Anyway, you will not have a perfect plan, um, but you will have no plan if you never get started. Perfect's not possible. Uh, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a realistic human expectation and it gets in the way. 
um, you know, good gets in the way of great. Um, and, and you know, that so, kind of, that kind of reminds me of something that I just have to say because it hit me mm-hmm. way too hard. Sometimes you have to ask yourself, are you really being a perfectionist or are you just procrastinating? Cause mm-hmm. oftentimes it's, right. it's not what you're actually saying it is. It's, it's procrastination, but you're just using the guise of, Oh, I'm a perfectionist. I want to make sure it's perfect. When in reality, it's, I don't want to mess up or I, I don't want to do it. Right. Um, Indeed. Absolutely. Let me share this one thing as well. Uh, I mentioned this earlier that different people have different personality styles Mm -hmm. and that's best described as thinking about uh, the the duties and roles and responsibilities that energize you and the ones that drain you. So thinking about personality styles within your organization, who are the people that are very energized by doing intricate detail and, and creating complex plan documents and the ones that would rather not do that? Yep. Um, who are the ones that, you know, can speak and, and, and um, illuminate and give great guidance, but they don't really want to do the, they don't want to do the creation of the plan document. Mm-hmm. So having a diverse team where you have people in their particular lane doing the thing that they're best suited to do yep. in service to the organization, I think is crucial. Play, play to people's strengths, man. That's, that's absolutely true. It's super important. So um, Jeremy, thank you so much for your time. This insight has been invaluable. Um, if someone wants to talk to you, where can they reach you? Where can they get a hold of you? Fantastic. Well, all of our social media handles are at yourepicmission.com. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter uh, and Instagram and such. Uh, our website is yourepicmission.com. My uh, email address is jeremy, J-E-R-E-M-Y, at yourepicmission.com. And phone number is 800 507 4048 uh, extension 700. You can reach reach me there as well. Please reach out. If you have a question, I, I'd love to uh, kick your can around with you and give you some guidance if I possibly can um, and, and help you to continue to be the change that you wish to see in the world. Wonderful. There you go. You guys heard it here. That's how you can connect with them. And uh, if you don't remember what all he said, or you can't remember that phone number, that's okay. Uh, because if you text the word Jeremy to 888-357-4456, Um, you'll be able to get his contact information, everything that he just listed. And uh, that'll give you a really easy way uh, to communicate with him. Again, that's Jeremy to 888-357-4456. Now, let's get into some Q&A, right? Uh, So we've we've got the the live Facebook stream. We've got the Zoom webinar. Um, If you want to have some real-time Q&A, you can also text this summit number, um, that I just mentioned, and uh, I'll be able to answer your questions in real time. So let me take a look at it real quick, see what we've got. And I don't see anything on Facebook. I don't know if I enabled the questions correctly. My bad. Um, let's see. Taylor asked, um, what kind of professionals are able to assist in that kind of strategic planning? So I, I guess what, what we're kind of asking is like, who all is able to help us? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think, again, you're looking at, at forming the team and what's the best kind of team you can, you can uh, have around you. And since organizations are very complex, you may include people like uh, consultants of various types, management consultants, nonprofit consultants, um, accountants, attorneys, uh, financial advisors, uh, things of that nature, um, those are some good uh, you know, professional service providers that, that you can include on your planning team. 
Um, if you have prior executive directors or uh, you know, members who are people who were uh, close to your organization at some point in the in the recent past or even the far past to help document the, um, the beginnings of the organization and getting some other people involved uh, so that it's not just one person in a room trying to crank out a, a very complex plan and, and document what the organization is supposed to do. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I've got, we've got another question here from uh, Maria and uh, she asks, what kind of opera, opera, I can't say that word, operationalization is really helpful in starting uh, the beginning of a plan? Hmm. I'm, I'm not positive that I understand that question, you know, as far as what type of oper operationalization. I, I, I think it's more like, um, um, how can we ensure the plan is actionable, I guess? Because that's what I, I think I of when I see operational lies, Asian. It's hard word to say. Okay. Yeah, so you, you, if you're thorough in the planning process and if you're actually documenting, uh, you, you want to have, um, you know, say, some workflows, some if this, then that, so that you're documenting scenarios where different courses of action would be taken. So that's really the how do you put this plan into place is by documenting what conditions must occur in order for the plan to be enacted. You know, I, I used a, a couple of examples early on, you know, with, with our government, we have succession plans uh, and continuity plans so that if one person becomes available, uh, we, we know what unavailable means, how to describe unavailable, and we know who steps in at that point, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that's how I would describe that. And I hope that answers your question. Um, keeping things simple, um, simple yet uh, thorough. Um, simplicity is not a, does not indicate that um, there's not depth to the, to the process. You're not, there's not, um, Einstein said there's genius in simplicity. So don't, don't discount simplicity as a, as a good thing. Cool. So then uh, don't overthink it. Uh, keep it simple. And uh, making it actionable is, is merely setting up conditions for when uh, a, a certain thing needs to happen, needs to be triggered. And uh, when it comes mm -hmm. to uh, a, a continuity and succession plan, um, there is plenty of people who are out there able to help you. If you don't know how to do that, you can go and, and look for them or you could contact Jeremy. I know he's a, he's a whiz at this and, and he'd be able to help you very much. Um, but with that, Jeremy, are there any questions that you think are important to answer that haven't been asked yet? Hmm. I've tried to be fairly fairly thorough in this uh, in helping people to think through, um, you know, how to how to plan, how to how to create a plan. Um, think about, you know, what, okay, let's talk about this. When might you review a plan? You know, let's say you were somewhere down the road and you've got a plan in place. Um, thinking about, you know, if you if you start having high turnover and you're seeing people that are flying out the door, examining why, um, mm. you can you know re review your plan and see maybe you don't really have a good development plan in place or you have no development plan at all. Um, you are losing people and you don't have a talent bench. You don't have people waiting to fill that role, um, so you don't have any any way to replace key team members as they leave. Um, maybe you're finding that you've got a very shallow candidate pool for particular roles. Sure. Uh, maybe you just don't have the role defined well. You don't really, you haven't really thought out the, the particular role very, very well. Um, you, you start having major changes in the world around you or within the organization itself. So, you know, when there's chaos, 
uh, you know, examine your plan and make sure it's going to um, actually meet the needs of, of your organization at this time, right? Again, the, the whole goal of the plan is to try and uh, create predictability in an uncertain world. So, you know, review your plan at, at regular intervals as well, at least annually give it a, give it a, a quick look and see, you know, has anything majorly changed? There you go. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I think that's a great, great place to leave off. Um, we, we've had so much information coming at us in this session. Um, it, it was absolutely wonderful. Jeremy, thank you so much for your time. And for those watching or, or listening, um, if you are excited for the next event. Um, I'm actually going to be the, the speaker for the, the event. We're going to have a different host for this session, and uh, I'm going to be talking about how to facilitate virtual fundraisers and what are some of the effective tools you can use in order to do that. And thank you so much for attending the Nonprofit Comeback Summit.